Hey there, enthusiasts. Welcome back to the Real Hero Talk podcast. I am your host, Judge Greg. Joining me today, a special guest, the host of the Gamers Without Borders podcast, where you can hear my voice co-hosting every, whenever often we decide to record one. Yeah. Nick. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome (laughs) to Hero Talk. Yeah. We'll probably talk about this at the end, but yes, as Greg alluded, you've probably not heard heard anything from me in a while, but we'll talk about that at the end. Yeah, you know yeah. what? We're yeah. we're we've we've been busy. Yeah, it's it's we've completely my fault. It's Greg is the one that gives me a poke and it's like we should record something, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's just if you saw the list, if you saw the list of things I have to do, have to do, it's like uh, no, <laughs> right? But given yes. that we had to record something, we actually mm. decided to bring it to my side of the house, yeah, uh, put yeah. me in the big chair, mm. and we're gonna record a hero talk today. Yeah, yeah we are. I hope so. Before before we go any further. I have to remind my audience that Hero Talk is a spoiler podcast. Nothing is off the table. Everything is fair game. You've been warned. Yep. All right. Assassin's Creed, the film, not Mm, the games. Nope. The film, 2016, video game, action, historical, fiction. Sure, that sounds about right. Adventure? I wouldn't put the word historical in that. Historical. I'm I'm air quoting historical. You can't see it. That implies any sort of accuracy. Yeah. There yeah. were there were things that were set in the past yeah. that coincided with historical events. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep it we'll keep it there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, we're gonna talk about this. So you've actually I know you've seen this film. You actually yeah. wrote about it in your blog. I did. Which, and fun, and fun, which fun. I did not read actually specifically because I didn't want to get your take on anything before the podcast. Well, well f- funnily enough, I because I didn't initially I didn't think I was gonna have time to watch this film again, and so I, I reread my review, and so I apologize a little bit to anyone that has read it. It might and I might end up saying very similar stuff, but I will. I will kind of use this opportunity to speak in more kind of depth. So hopefully it won't just be a rehashing. Right. So. So this is based on the uh, the video game franchise of the same name. There's been yes. How many games in the series? Nine. Uh, nine main series, and then there is like kind of spin off ones. Like there was a couple of DS games and mobile games oh, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which we're so actually, many, many. Yeah, which yeah. we'll actually get into a bit later on, but we'll get to that. But yeah, yeah, so lots of games. Um, interesting enough, it came out in the year that Assassin. Pardon me, the Assassin's Creed video uh, game series took a year off. Funnily enough, but uh, yeah, well, it didn't take a year off. They just released a movie. Well, not well, yeah, it, but they are different. Yeah, okay, di- it, it, but, di- it's different arms yeah. of the company, right? And so the movie is completely disconnected from the games. Ah, uh, well, no, and this is what I wanted to bring up because, um, though not explicitly confirmed in the film at the time, there are a couple of shots which we can get into the kind of hint of the films, but more interestingly, and this is. I'm going to put a spoiler warning in just because this is still quite a new game. But the events of this film are directly referenced in uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, the uh, newest Assassin's Creed game. Oh, the newest one. Yeah. yeah you know what? I, I have had... So I I've not, I don't have a lot of experience with the series. I played Assassin's Creed 1, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah. And then I, I played Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoyed Assassin's Creed 2 as well. And when I finished Assassin's Creed 2... Yeah. Brotherhood was about two months away, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm a little Assassin's Creeded out. Yeah. And I, I said to myself, once once I'm sort of ready for a new Assassin's Creed game, I'll jump right back into the series. Yeah. And that hasn't happened yet. Mm. And a lot of it is because they release a new game every single year. Yeah. And I just think to myself, I can't catch up now. It's mm. beyond that. 
I, I'm so yeah. I need I need a jumping in point, and from what I hear, Origins might be that jumping in point. It depends what you want, really, and th- this is going to inadvertently turn into a, a GWB. But I think the w- the weird thing about Origins is it's the least Assassin's Creedy. Like you basically can get through that game without using stealth almost at all. They've turned it into a full on RPG. Basically, it's all about leveling up and XP and things like that. So like. I, I'm one of those groups of people that has played every single Assassin's Creed game from 4 onwards, but have not played any of the Ezio games, which the original fans kind of say is the peak of the series. So it's like I've mm. played it as it's moved away from being a stealth game into an action game, which is what I prefer because I find stealth inherently frustrating. So it kind of depends what you want. Yeah. Like, I think if you want an enjoyable experience, play Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag because it's not a very good Assassin's Creed game. It's a really good pirate game. Like, so what I what I usually found in in the terms of, and I'm I'm just speaking strictly from Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed 2, mm-hmm. is that the stealth aspect that everyone talked up usually consisted of me making a plan, checking yeah. a route, tailing the guy, mm. coming up on him from behind. Having a guard spot me, giant melee ensues, yeah. and somewhere in the chaos, I happen to kill my target, yeah. and then I get the cutscene for doing so. Mm. So, well, yeah, when I, you say like it's not focused on stealth, I'm like, yeah, but when it was fo- focused on stealth, it didn't do a great job of it. Well, I will say that I think if you want a s- more stealthy game, the best one to play is actually Assassin's Creed Unity, because at that one, they kind of... Because in previous games, even though you're supposed to be quote-unquote stealthy, the way like the combat worked, you could kill 30 guys in a row and survive. Whereas in Unity, they turned it very much on its head, whereby if you get in combat with more than about three people, unless you get every single button prompt perfectly, you're going to die. Like, it, it really kind of pushes you quite heavily that you can't just fight your way out. So, like I said, it really depends right. what you want, but we have got massively off topic. Yeah, we're now, we're now talking about the games, which is yes. not what, not, no. not no. what we're here to talk about. So no. let's talk about the movie. So, yeah. the, the movie is similar to the games where it's about an assassin back well, from, from historical times, in this case, 1492. Yeah. That date means something later. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you talk about foreshadowing. Like as soon as they say Spain 1492, I think, "Oh, gee, I wonder if that's going to that's yeah. going to play into this." Mm, well, we'll get into that because I looked into this and there's apparently more significance to that than I had realized. But uh, Oh, well, we'll talk about it. But yeah. it's it's just like the other Assassin's Creed, it's not really about the assassin back in 1492. It's actually about a present-day guy who is yeah. getting strapped into a machine by a giant corporation called Abstergo and he's reliving his genetic memory. And if you're sitting thinking to yourself, that's not a thing, then, you know what, just go with it. Yeah, I think, like, if you're a film-goer that hasn't played the games, I think it will come across as weird, because I think... I think if you're a gamer, you fundamentally have a bit more suspension of disbelief than you do with films, because kind of games have to be designed in a way to put you in the driving seat, whereas films you're kind of just watching pass- passively. Right, and you know it's they make several changes here, and you sort of have to because you yeah. have to th- things that work in video games don't quite work in movies, and you need to make things a little yes. bit more cinematic and more more engaging when they happen, but. Mm. And and the the biggest one before you know what we haven't even talked about the cast I haven't even said what I thought but yeah. we're gonna get into it yeah. let's let's talk about the animus yeah and I'm gonna controversially say I much prefer it 
because it, I yeah, I do too. Actually, it, I'm with you. It makes logical sense because it's if you take on board the implication of it's a simulation. If you're moving around in this simulation, you need to be moving around in the real world. Whereas on the game, in the games, you're essentially just like lying on a bed. Like it would make no sense. Like like look at look at like VR now and stuff. I know it's it, it's very very basic, but we're starting to get to the point where it's the idea of movement in the real world is translated into the virtual world. Like, it makes more technological sense than just, like, a bed. Yeah, it. I mean, in, in the video games, it's a lot like The Matrix. Yes. You, know, you sit down, you get plugged in, and they, they send you to your genetic memory. Mm. Whereas in, in this, you're, you're in a room and there's projections being tossed at you yeah. from your genetic memory, and, and you're, you're moving around now. There, there are some points where, because I know that it, at one point Michael Fassbender is moving in the real world to correspond with his yeah. his avatar, for lack of a better word, mm. when he suddenly drops through a hole in the floor, I didn't know was there. I have to think. So how do they do that? How yeah. they do that? Yeah, but like that's the weird thing that like in the simulation he's got complete freedom of movement, but in the real world he's in a finite space. Like I think there's yeah. a scene where they, he's. I mean, cl- like, like what do they, do they when he's running? Do they like just make him secretly go in a circle? Yeah, and it's like the scene where I think he's climbing up like a wooden structure and it cuts to him in real life and he is like climbing up the wall, but it's like that wall is only so high. Like, yeah. it's almost as if like you would need the room in real life to be constantly on like a track and rotating almost. Like, that, right. The, and but I don't it, know why it, we're trying to apply real logic to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've given it way more thought. It, it just, I like it because it gives Michael Fassbender something to do yes, while I he's think, plugged in, rather mm. than be like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix and just flop around on a chair a little bit. Yeah. So at least this way, he's he's doing something cinematic, and you know, mm. it it makes more sense if you're unlocking the. You know, I shouldn't say it makes more sense because that's just ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense at all. But relatively from, speaking, at least from the perspective of suspending disbelief, if he's living out these memories and he's creating, he's using the muscle memory because it's yeah. ingrained in his DNA. He should be making the movements, but yeah. Anyway, but know, let's, 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 you do let's, you do you do kind of see that like there's that scene uh, kind of part way through I think after like the first or second time he's gone in where he's in his cell and he's and he fights off he fights off all those guards and kind of the implication is he didn't know how to fight hand to hand beforehand but because he's been in the animus and he's relived this that he now has these skills kind yeah. of it like. I think this film suffers a bit from not always signposting what it's trying to say. Right, yeah. It, it definitely, it relied a little bit on on some things that were very explicitly explained in the video game. Yes. That they just kind of hoped the audience would pick up on themselves. Yeah, like I mean, one, one of the major points of Assassin's Creed 2 was that Desmond, who was the guy who was driving the story forward yeah. uh, in, in, in that, that was a present day guy. They needed him to relive the training of yeah. Ezio Auditori so that he could have the training of yes. an assassin. And the, yeah, they make reference of because it's called in the games and the films of the bleeding effect in a single scene. And I think that's a big situation where they clearly expect. Well, if you know the games, you know exactly what that is. But if you don't, it's right. not going to mean anything to you. Yeah, and so it, it felt to me as somebody who's been relatively removed that yeah. It was a lot of drop references to the video games, but don't explain what's going on. Mm. Like to, I will say, though, I think this film illustrated a problem that, because it's only it's much shorter than a lot of the games, that a lot of the games are kind of picked up on is the transition from regular person to fully-fledged assassin is, is really compressed. Like, even if they're mm. effectively, like, relearning the sk- these skills, we don't, like... It's a bit cliche, but I think if they'd put into dialogue stuff like... 
when Michael Fassbender's character was growing up, he learned martial arts or something to kind yeah. of give a basis for him picking up all these skills so quickly it would make more sense. Whereas it's like, yeah, there's a point where right at the end he just uses a bow and arrow and could use it perfectly and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, it, mm, it's... Yeah, it, it it bugged me, but it did make me smile because that's what they often, that's the joke that's made about the games, that it makes no sense how these, because <laughs> quite often it's, I think in, I think it's Assassin's Creed 4, your guy is just a random bloke who finds an assassin, kills him, conveniently his uh, outfit fits him perfectly, and just randomly now knows how to assassinate people. Like it, yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of dumb. It it is, and in the way that the games are kind of dumb, the movie lives up to the games. Yeah. Now, this was it was a very enjoyable movie, but I think they were trying to make they were trying to make it a movie that it wasn't, and they were really trying to make it far deeper. In mm. it's like they wanted to make the movie as deep as the games think they are. Yes, and I, it suffered for it. Not to say it wasn't enjoyable, and and in fact, I remember when this movie ended, I thinking like, oh, that's it. I've I've I was kind of expecting and almost hoping for more. So mm. not that I think we're going to see a sequel, but no. Um, yeah. But one thing I really want to commend it on is kind of just separate from kind of the world it lives in is I really like the choreography of the fighting. Yeah, I thought that was well done. It not only it, it feels like re- like it can't be identical to the games because like in games sort of the way you move can't really be replicated. But it had, like, it was all very practical. It, like, I, I've looked into it and I don't think it was CGI. From the stuff I've read, all the fighting with them, the stunts, the majority were practically done. And everything has kind of a weight and a heft to it that I enjoyed. It was, I, I liked how it was done, and a lot of it felt like something that came out of the game. It, it reminded yes. me of that scene in Batman v Superman, where yes. Batman is in the big fight, and I'm looking, and I'm saying, I'm basically watching an Arkham Asylum fight play, yeah. play out. It was it was the same way. A lot of this was, yeah. you know, I, I can kind of see how this, this works out. Yeah. Now. The one bit that I would really give them props for is there's a moment where Michael Fassbender's character jumps off a high building, lands on the guy that he needs to assassinate, has his knees on his chest and goes to stab him, which is identical mm-hmm. to how they do it in the games and even does the whole thing of like closing their eyes and kind of talking to them. So yeah. I, I, I will give them props that they put a lot of stuff to the game in without being too heavy-handed. There were, there were a right. couple that they, I they didn't were. They didn't leave in the part where right after the assassination they go into yes. uh, purgatory and have a long, drawn-out conversation though so but like one kind of general point that i really want to give this props to and it's a shame that they don't explore it they can't explore it because there probably won't be a sequel is that like we fundamentally see this more from the templars perspective and Mm -hmm. we got we see the assassins depicted as as the bad guys and i think that's quite interesting because neither group is particularly morally right because obviously the assassins are killing killing people that they believe are bad and the templars are wanting to bring about order but in kind of subjugating people. But I think it's interesting because the games never do that because you are, because you are the assassin. Mm-hmm. You are the hero, you're the protagonist. So they always try and paint you in a morally good way. And that I think it was interesting that the films took this different perspective. And that's yeah. the one thing that I wish they'd explored of kind of saying, no, these, these quote unquote heroes, these assassins that many of the people watching this film have grown up to, to like are actually bad people. Like, yeah. Right. And that was I what I appreciated about it is that was that was very intentionally done by the director yes. Justin Kurzel mm. who um so Justin Kurzel uh, he's done a bunch of of stuff just going back in his movies most notably he directed 2015's Macbeth. Yeah, didn't that also have Michael Fassbender in it? That also had Michael Fassbender and Marion Cotillard. Yeah. I think that's how you say that name. It's a French name. I thought it was Cotillard, but there we are. 
<laughs> yeah, Marion. We'll call her Marion so that this I is, don't. This is this is a Doctor Strange Chuatel Edgy for all over again. It really is. I really should have figured that out before I recorded the podcast. Mm. But in my head, I thought, oh, it's a French name. I, you know what? I, I, I know how to French words work. And then I, yeah. as I went to say it, I realized, nope, I don't. I'm going to sound like a total moron, and and yeah. I did. Sorry, so, yeah, to, so sorry, they, to they, in, sorry to enthusiasts, extensive French audience. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I don't. I don't think we have much of a French audience. But to them, I apologize. I. I really yes. wish I knew how to say the name. Um, Cotillard, maybe. I, the D should be silent. That's what I would yeah. know. And mm, and then yeah. the the double L's are giving me a bit of a pause because now I'm just not recalling that. So there was a there was a lot of yeah there was a lot of back and forth on that between mm. the director, the lead, and, and the female lead all yeah. came. So oh, I think um I think Alicia Vikander was in the running for it for a while, and then she pulled out to do uh, Jason Bourne. I didn't actually hear that. That's interesting. No, I, no, I think I think I think she was. I think she'd basically been given the role, and then it was like, no, I'm going to do Jason Bourne instead. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I uh, I I liked having Marianne Cotillard. Yeah. No, I, that wasn't right either. No, no just just the fr- uh, but no, yeah. I, I think I did read somewhere that apparently Fassbender was the studio's first choice. Yes, he was. They were yeah, kind of like, they, if we were ever going to do an Assassin's Creed film, it's going to be him. Right. Well, I mean, Michael Fassbender, he is a big name in Hollywood right now. That, mm, that's that's always my problem. I think he's reached the point. I think it's at the moment. I think both him and Chris Pratt had this, and I think Jude Law had it a few years ago, where they seem to just be in every film. Right. Like, like I I cannot stop for a film that that has Michael Fassbender in it. Like I've noticed they've uh, released that film, uh, The Snowman, which is uh, that's got him in it. It's an adaptation of a book. Yes. Uh, I mm-hmm. want to also have an angry shout out to One Track Gamers because they mentioned this film and they thought it was just a weird film about snowmen. It's actually a really dark and gritty. Uh, it's based off a Nordic crime thriller. It's mm-hmm. really good, but it's also really dark and quite gory. So yeah, you guys, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not the worst. Yeah, the, well, the worst at understanding film. That that I can stand by. Yes. Yeah, there we go. All right, so so yeah. we, we you know what we've danced around the cast long enough. Yeah. Let's actually mm. let's go into some of these people. So Michael Fassbender, who most people would know from I don't know, just watch any movie. Chances yeah, are he X-Men, was in it. X Men, um, Steve Jobs, yeah. Macbeth, mm. uh, The Snowman. I hear he was in that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's um, he's he's currently. Let's see, what's the next X Men movie? So they just did Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix, right? Yeah, but I don't know if that's going to have everyone in because obviously they're doing New Mutants, which is a different. It's, it's on his IMDb. And I just I... checked it. Yeah. Okay, fine. Then yeah, Dark Phoenix. So yeah. he's he's at least going to have an appearance in that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm I mean, he's, he's done a lot of stuff, but I couldn't tell you. Like, I'm not sure the first thing I saw him in. The first thing I remember seeing him in was 300. Funny enough, I've never watched that. Like everyone it's... always raves about it, and obviously, I mean, I'm it's... not going to rave about it. It is a movie that I enjoy, but he played. Um, I'm going to look up the character's name because I don't remember Stelios, who's not a real yeah. person. From the Battle of 300, he actually replaced mm. another person who was there. Um, I don't know uh, why they, they did it that way, but he's yeah. But he was in that movie. Mm. But that's the first thing I remember him from was 300. Well, it could be Prometheus for me, but that was no, quite. He wasn't new. Prometheus. That was quite new though. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, Inglorious Bastards! I yeah. love that movie so much more I than I probably that relatively- should. Relatively recently, and I did quite enjoy it. It's a weird film. I'm not entirely sure how I'd. I I will say that Brad Pitt's character, Aldo Rain, is probably one of my top five favorite characters in all of cinema. I if if they decided to make a spinoff movie just about Lieutenant Aldo Rain, I would watch that movie. (laughs) I seriously would. 
I I definitely, love that character. Definitely do a hero talk when I want to. I want to. I really do. And and I I watch it all the time. So it's one of those movies I could mm. do a hero talk today because I've I've seen it in the last two months. Yeah. And that's perpetually true. About every two months, I watch it again. Mm. And I'm, yeah. I'm not usually. I'm not. I'm not even a. Uh, I'm not even a Quentin Tarantino fan. But I just no, love that movie. no. I, I'm not like. I'm gonna get murdered for this. But I've never watched Pulp Fiction. Which Pulp Fiction gets more. It's. I think it's overrated. And I know that's awful yeah. for me to say. It, it. It's a cinematic masterpiece. Well, uh, air quoting that, again. That's my perspective. That I almost feel like. I don't know much about it, but I feel almost an obligation to watch it because so many people yeah. talk about it in this way. But then like, I've never watched The Godfather either. Uh, there's a lot of kind of classics of cinema that I've not watched. Yeah. I, I will say that to any person who tells me I have to watch a movie, I usually ask, have you seen Casablanca? Yeah, well, no, it's my answer. <laughs> yeah. I, Casablanca is a rare movie. We're way off topic, but I don't care. This yeah. is important to say. It came out in the 1930s and. The pacing, the style, and the story still work today. Mm, yeah. If you watched it today, you wouldn't think, wow, what an old, weird movie. Yes. It, it's, it still works. You can still watch it and still enjoy it. And it's it's interesting because historically, I mean, the, the Nazis play a big part in it because I mean, it's, it's, the 1930s. It's, it's, set, yeah, yeah. it's set around the 1930s. But it's, it's interesting because it's before World War II. Mm. And it's before we sort of romanticize the anti-Nazi thing, yeah. And just to see it, to see it played out, I shouldn't say romanticize anti-Nazi. It's, yeah, well, being anti-Nazi is supposed to be a fairly safe position, well, but, I, was, yeah, but I, 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 I do know what you mean. Yeah, there's always in that sense of like you could, we could, you could always be quite brutal and quite aggressive because it was always well, they're Nazis. This, oh, this makes me sound like I'm saying Nazis aren't bad people. Nazis are terrible people, <laughs> but there was this trend in cinema that you could basically do anything and it was right. you were, you were always going to be the hero like yeah so if, if you could you have inglorious I mean. bastards doing whatever they wanted and maiming nazis and we don't feel bad because yeah. nazi ain't got no humanity exactly and like that, well, that, that is like the maiming of nazis is a big thing of inglorious bastards the whole thing with the scalping and yeah the, car- the carving uh swastikas into their foreheads and stuff like that like you i don't think you could do that to any other group really no without, no you couldn't and without a lot of controversy but it's just interesting because this, this happened sort of as a result of what we know that they did. Yes, like it is a bit of revisionist history because it's often said yeah. that at, at the time when this was happening, a lot of people were unaware and that's kind of why they survived as long as it did. Yeah. Yeah, you really shouldn't so, get uh, me a historian uh, All right, so anyway, <laughs> anyway, yes. we are... We're now somehow talking about the Nazis in the middle of our Assassin's Creed film yeah. hero talk. So let's go we, ahead and back this up. Uh, yeah. Anything else about Michael Fassbender? Not really. I, th- I think he did uh, He did a good job. I think he's one of those actors that can kind of turn his hand to anything. I think he was a little yeah. bit... I don't think the scripts gave him that much scope, but... It, it, it didn't, and there was, there was definitely some times where I think the script was not in his favor. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking specifically when they're dragging him to the... Um, they're dragging him to the Animus, and he's oh, saying crazy for being so lonely. Yeah that, mm, yeah, that was a bit weird. One one thing I meant to touch on before we go deep in on the cast is, it, I think it's weird that they elected to keep all the scenes in Spain in Spanish, given that even though it's terrible video game logic, all those Assassin's Creed games are like, no, everyone speaks English in the past because yeah. it's a, a simulation. And I think well, it was It's also weird. terrible video game logic that you would look exactly like your ancestor. Yes. Mm. But it With was the ju- exception of in this movie, they gave uh, Aguilar had brown eyes and Michael yes. Fassbender has blue eyes. 
Mm. So totally different person. Exactly. But I like I thought it was weird, but then I suppose the advantage of doing of having that language barrier is it did force them to kind of portray everything through action and mm-hmm. kind of what was what's going on. And like so like I kind of understand, but it just seemed weird that like they had the perfect out for being in a foreign country in the 1500s and it all being in English and yet they didn't use it. But that's just me. Yeah, you know what? I'm okay with it. Yeah. On, honestly, some sometimes as long as it's not too over the top, I'm 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 honestly okay with it. But yeah, I think I think it, it didn't it didn't pull me out at all in this, and it, sometimes it does. So yeah, good for them. All right, so moving on. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I could sorry. talk about Michael Fassbender all day. Because I yeah. I actually when I heard he was associated with it, I got a little excited. Uh, mm. So yeah, now we're lot, moving I think on. A lot, yeah, I think yeah, a lot of people did. They thought this could be the film that finally breaks the pattern with video game films. Because they had such a big name behind it. Yeah, it, it's it's never gonna happen in, unless you just appreciate the film for what it is, separate from from the movie, like you can with with uh, Resident Evil yeah. or Street Fighter. Man, everyone knows I love that Street Fighter movie. Yeah. I love it to death. But it has nothing to do with the game. It's just a fun movie. I am quietly confident about the new Tomb Raider film, but I'm incredibly biased. You are incredibly biased, but as am I, and I'm excited. All right, yeah. so let's let's talk about Marion again because uh, so people would know Marion from Inception and yes. The Dark Knight Rises, where she played Mal in Inception. And I mean, can I say Miranda in The Dark Knight Rises? We both know that's no, not who she actually eh, played. Tony Ruggle. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she was the Rose in The Little Prince. Okay. <laughs> I guess if you're familiar, so The Little Prince is a French novel. Actually, I've I've read The Little Prince in French. Look at you being all cultured. Yeah, see? Look at me. <laughs> Though that, I that's really... why I'm so upset I don't know how to say her name. Because, again, yeah. I, I, I know enough French that I actually read The Little Prince, the, the, the actual book, in French. And, yeah. and understood it. Not just, like, said funny words to myself, but actually yeah. understood it. So I, I should know I, it. Yeah. Everyone listening at home could give Greg a round of applause, yes. Yep. So if everyone can just uh, tweet me at Judge Greg is Law and just let me know how awesome I am for reading yeah. French. That's great. Mm. Um, I thought she did well. I think she had a good sense of presence. But I think fundamentally, like a lot of characters in this movie, there just wasn't much depth to her. No. And like, you don't fully understand yeah. what her motivations are. Like so, they, it was even at the point where remember towards the end of the film where yes. her her dad was going to get the award because he's like you know Mister Mister Templar yes. and she reads his speech and she realized wait we're going to use this to get rid of the assassins like she was so completely yeah. unaware that they were that was happening and in my head I was thinking didn't you know that yeah I thought that was your motivation so now well, this whole film I have no idea what you were motivated by yeah and, she, and, and and like one of the last lines of the film she basically goes like. Yeah, the the Templars can have the apple, but I want Michael Fassbender's character. And it's like, well, so were you creating all this re- creating all this technology to get the apple when you didn't really want it? Like, yeah, I don't understand. I, the- I I saw that as sort of now she's motivated by revenge. Yeah, well, the but closest yeah. the closest I can come is all she wanted to do is because like um her her father makes the comment of oh you're a scientist first and a Templar second, so it almost sounds like she just wanted to perfect the animus as a machine from a technological scientific perspective and she just didn't really care how she was like getting the funding and getting the resources to to do it but then as soon as she realized it meant killing the assassins but then she makes the comment that like one of her parents was killed by the assassins so you Mm -hmm. she kind of has a reason to hate them yeah there's a lot of mm. right it 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 very much took me by surprise when when she was upset and appalled that they weren't yeah that they weren't going to end violence but they were going to try to t- or they were going to do so by removing the assassins i was just very yeah surprised by that especially when 
when she's looking for the what the, the apple of Eden is that what they called yeah, it? Yeah, that is the same as the games, by the way, as well. Yeah, I thought in the games, I thought there was like many of these things, not well, just the there one. Are, there are many. Well, there are many items of Eden. Uh, there's a sword, a shield. Uh, there, I think there are actually multiple apples, but yeah, um, the implication is yeah they have some form of mind control in them. Right, and you know because they they didn't, and I appreciate they didn't go into this, and other than no. just a brief passing, but they did not mention the forerunners or no. any of the old alien. Well, they do pre- very briefly. There is one scene where when uh, Marion Cotard's character is explaining to Michael Fassbender, she makes reference to, oh, maybe it's some advanced ancient yeah. civilization. She does say, or an ancient civilization. And I'm like, okay, as long as that's where you leave it. Yes. I'm okay with that. Yeah, please it, do not, please don't show up later, weird mm-hmm. alien floaty things. Yeah. The, oh, the one thing that annoys me, and that I know it's technically not related to her character, but the fact that the speech uh, given at the end by her dad, I talked about this in my review, and this is the only thing from my review, the fact he uses the sentence, we're going to destroy the Assassin's Creed. Now, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the Creed yeah. is their motto. You can destroy but in, the brotherhood. In this movie, in this movie, the creed is the brotherhood of assassins. Now, the, uh, but if the basing it of the universe is so well documented that the creed, uh, yeah, I, I think that's one of those things that's done for the the not uninitiated moviegoer. Yeah, and because they're going to wonder what's the creed, and so well, yeah. if we just call the assassins the creed, then but then that's again, one. like I. Uh, I don't understand Spanish, and part of me wonders, is the creed said at some point in the past? Like, I wonder, at the very beginning scene, when Michael Fassbender's being, like, initiated in, uh, I wonder if it is said then, or just, I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know. Alright, so when you see, did you not have subtitles? Uh, no, that, that, that's the way, that is the way, well, I, the way I was watching it, it's, um, the subtitles, uh, covered all the English sections, but then any of the Spanish sections, the subtitle was just speaking Spanish. Huh. So it, that's interesting, cause I, I watch all movies with subtitles on, because yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't like, like to miss things. And so, I actually, I actually saw it with, oh, with so, the subtitles so. on, and they said, like, in a world where, you know, the truth is lies or something, okay. the, the truth is lies, everything is permitted, those words were definitely spoken in Spanish. Oh, okay, so, okay, so they were spoken, okay. Yeah, okay, and more than, more, more than once, they said it once at the very beginning, okay. and then Michael Fassbender said it again towards the end of the Animus when, when he became a full-on assassin, and then they decided to make him their yeah. leader for some reason. Okay, I retract that complaint, it's just I clearly have a funny copy of this film, for whatever reason... But um, but yeah, that that bugged me a little bit because it just it doesn't make sense in the context of the uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think I think what was grammatical sense. Yeah. So if if you if you had the subtitles for the Spanish parts, which is why the Spanish parts didn't bother me, is because I just read the subtitles. I can now see why that would bother you if you didn't if the subtitles were just turned all the way off because. You know, yeah. now, now you're wondering, okay, so what are they saying? What's going on here? Yeah, now I'm wondering, I probably missed a fair, fair few things in that film. I mean, I mean, most other stuff you can get from context without losing anything. Mm. So, so, all right, so subtitles aside, let's, let's just yeah. move on because we, mm. if we start talking about the, uh, the ins and outs of subtitles here. Uh, so Jeremy Irons yep. played Dr. Riken. Is Dr. Riken from the games, do you know? Uh, funny enough, I checked, and apparently he does appear very briefly in the first game as the CEO of Abstergo. Oh, does he? Apparently. And I, he, he yeah. is also mentioned by name in Origins, uh, as well. Hang on, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling right now. You get to listen to me Google, listeners. Yep. I'm, I'm wondering, because I played that first game, 
while you're go- while you're googling, I will say like I have <laughs> I have a like I'm willing to give Jeremy Irons a pass on basically anything because he was the voice of Scar. He was the voice of Scar. However, I, they, there's some new guys who want Scar now. I know. Well, we'll get into that in a second. But uh, original Lion King, like that, is a big part of my childhood. I still know most of the lyrics to all the songs. So yeah, yeah. It's in great term, that just, we'll soon be connected to a king who will be all time adored. Yes, I, I would. I would have carried on, but you caught me off guard there. <laughs> just, just, ver- just very briefly with that new Lion King cast. Um, it's mm-hmm. in, it's interesting. I'm glad they kept James Earl Jones as Mufasa. I, I am glad. I, I can't imagine anyone else voicing Mufasa. And, and yes. so there is a... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this in so everyone can get ready to take a shot. So there's a cartoon on Disney Junior called The Lion Guard, which is a continuation of the story. Oh, God. Yes. In, in which it's about uh, Simba's son, Kion, who gets the power of the roar and reassembles the Lion Guard. The, mm. previous, uh, the previous holder of the roar and the previous leader of the Lion Guard was Scar, who lost the roar when he used he used the roar to try to uh, take over the kingdom. Okay, so is that like magic in the Lion King universe? Yes, it's basically magic. It's <sighs> it's the roar of the elders, and and it's like the okay. superpower that the leader of the Lion Guard has. Yeah. But but one of the ways they uh they established in in the in this lore that Rafiki has the power to communicate with those who the lions who have gone past. Okay. And so what a lot of the hyenas did is since they wanted to be able to try to get rid of the Lion Guard and to get back into the Pride Lands, they stole not Rafiki's staff, but Rafiki's apprentice's staff. Okay. And they, they used that in order to call upon Scar. So the ghost of Scar actually plays a pretty big part in the latest yeah. season of the Lion Guard. Interesting. Like, I know this is so topic, but yeah, on the whole, I'm, that was a really interesting cast. Obviously, I massively applaud them for being so diverse and inclusive with it. I'm kind of sad that uh, they didn't get Rowan Atkinson back in to be Zazu, because I think he's really good in that role, but mm-hmm. that's just a personal thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, everyone in, although I don't know how I feel about Beyonce. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, like, how much, like, well, yeah, part, part, the cynical part of us both, I think, thinks it's just a PR thing. But then th- there's a very small part of me that almost thinks she genuinely wanted to do it because she doesn't really have um, that much film experience beyond like Austin Powers. And then obviously because she's such a big star, the studio is never going to say no. But I, I almost well, think... Well, they, they would say no. She actually, yeah. she wanted to be Princess Tiana and yeah. she didn't want to audition. And so the uh, studio said, no, you have to audition. Ah, uh, yeah. And, like, think, and to yeah. her credit, though, I will say, in, in her defense, there, uh, she's Beyonce. You, yeah. If if you want Beyonce for the role, then you already know what you're getting. Does she really need what's what's she going to do with that audition that you didn't know? Oh, you can yeah. sing. Oh, interesting. Say, and at least in this situation, it's not a live action movie. It's a it's a voiceover job, and her voice is what she's known for. So, yeah. like, even if her proper acting ability maybe wasn't fantastic, you know that her voice is always going to be her, her right. greatest talent. So, Gee, anyway, now, we have gone so far off. Okay, okay. Reigning so it back Jeremy in. Lines. Jeremy yes. Irons. Uh, Alfred from Batman v Superman and okay. Justice League. Oh, yeah. He's going to be in The Batman coming up. We don't even know if Ben Affleck is going to be in The said, Batman. But we don't even know if ba- The Batman is going to have a Batman in it. <laughs> uh, man, oh, uh, what knows? if they got Alfred to be Batman? Oh, that would be good. Yeah, you know what? I would normally say no, but it's Jeremy Irons, so I don't count I anything say, out for like, that. Imagine if you're a, if you're a criminal in Gotham, and then basically the slightly like modulated voice of Scar descends <laughs> from the night and punches you. You are you are going to stop being a criminal straight mm-hmm. away. Let's see. Uh, Man in the Iron Mask is another movie he's known for. One of my personal favorites. 
He played Aramis in that Ooh. one of the Three Musketeers. Yeah. And that was yeah, 98. He's, so he's he you know he did he didn't look like he was from he's that old in that movie. He looked quite young to be honest. Mm, yeah. Even though part of the story is the Musketeers are supposed to be older and aging, but Yeah. But he's a, he's a very famous actor. Uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't really name We, we cannot go into he's... everything he's been in. I'm just picking no. and choosing my favorites. Yeah. All right, so Jeremy Irons did a fantastic but, job. I think he might probably was underutilized, but I was I was, was going to say like I think I think Jeremy Irons can always is is always the villain and I think you could give him a lot more scope to be more villainous because like I think I don't in this they almost didn't present him as a villain they presented him just as like obviously because it's quite pro-Templar they present him as a saviour but like even his goal is kind of it's not objectively bad like he talks about wanting to cure violence it's just kind of implied that that's through like basically brainwashing violent people right it, it's it's through mind control which yeah there's probably some there are mm. some Ethical then, like, insinuations there. Yeah, whereas, like, the Templars in the games, it's always more implied, like, no, they want to slaughter millions of people or something. Like, they're always more inherently evil than they are. I think, like, I think you... Because I think Jeremy Irons has got so much presence and so much gravity, you could make him be a lot more, but they didn't. But, uh, yeah, and, and that's it's unfortunate that he was underutilized like that. But at least it's nice to have good actors in these parts. Yes. Yeah. All right. As much sure. as much as I want to keep talking about Jeremy Irons, we we do need to move on. We just I'm just going to hit a couple more people here because we holy cow. Yeah. We we and I have story elements I want to talk about. Uh, Brendan Gleeson played Joseph Lynch, who was yep. Michael Fassbender's character's father, and yes. I, he's in a bunch of movies. He was in Braveheart and Troy and Gangs of New York. And the reason I bring him up is simply because I just want to point out that. His his son Brian played the younger yeah. version of him and the one that killed his mother. And oh yeah, no, I think I read that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that, I just I remember thinking when I when I saw him that huh, yeah. you know what? It's really crazy that he looks just like his younger self. Yeah, no, that's what that's what, yeah. Yeah, I I thought it was just amazing casting, but no, as it turns yeah. out, it was it was very intentionally done. Of course, his son is also an actor, so it's not like yeah, not like they had to pull him out of college or had to. He wasn't mm. a realtor, you know. They didn't <laughs> no. stop investment banking for a day and come film this movie. He is an actor, so it makes perfect sense that they would do. Yeah, that. I will say, I think I feel like the twist with him didn't land. Like I kind of felt like they were building it up to be this big thing that he was also there, and then it, and I was kind of like, what? Like I think I remember it took me a while the first time I watched it to realize who he was. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I don't know something about the way they introduced him that felt a little bit off to me. Yeah, I I think they were expecting us to fill in a lot of gaps for them. Yeah, if if it almost felt like they needed a re they need like a catalyst for Michael Fassbender to turn against Abstergo. So they were kind of like, well, here's the guy that that killed your mom, and then you can start rebelling because that's what the assassins fundamentally are. They're rebels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and there there was some questionableness about his his character turn in general. Like right at the end, what was going on? Is that something from the games where he's in he's in the he's in the Animus, and all of a sudden, all these other all these other assassins have gone from from your yeah. are communicating with him. Is he is he now connected <sighs> to the Creed? Is that what the Creed I, is, Nick? I, is it- nah. Well, from my understanding, the Creed is just the phrase. But no, that scene I think is a more like I don't think there's any basis in the games for that. Like the closest they come to that is when they're talking to the I forgot what their name is. Whatever the old ancient civilization is, they sort of come in projections. But no, I think that scene is meant as a little bit of fan service because. 
one of the assassins in that scene looks a hell of a lot like Arno, the uh, protagonist of Assassin's Creed Unity. As one well, kind was, it, was his face bit... missing? Because that's my impression of what people were like in Assassin's Creed Unity is missing faces. Uh-huh. No, um, that's, that's <laughs> I mean, that, that is such a dated joke. But uh, yeah, um, and there's also there's also one that looks a bit like Edward Kenway as well. So I think that was more like I think that was just more of a subtle nod. Like I think they could have gone way over the top and basically had like all the protagonists from all the games up to the point of the film's release like in a line, but they didn't. I think they just had some generic assassins that kind of took visual cues yeah. from Once again, uh, no, no love for Altair. After that first game... Well, there is, there, is, there is one person in the background that has is wearing like all white robes. They have a bit of an Altair look to them. Yeah, I, I looked in, in to see if... I had a hard time recognizing the people that they wanted me to recognize much less the people yeah. in the background. Yes. There, there was I, a period I, of time where he was talking, I'm like, is is that his mom? I think that's his mom. Is yeah, that I, his that, mom? That, yeah, that confuses me. I, I'm still not entirely sure who that character is. Like, I think the implication is it's his mother, but it doesn't look like her. It didn't look like her, but I like, mean, she was definitely, she was a definitely an assassin, and, and she, in fact, me, so she, she's, she's the one who's actually in line with uh, the... The regular guy, I can't think of his name now, uh, Aguilar, she's actually the one in line with Aguilar. That's why she wanted to be killed, so that they couldn't put her in the machine, because the assassins somehow knew about the Abstergo and the Animus. I I don't know. I was going to say, that that, that character at the end looks like a culmination of his mother and Aguilar's look-like love interest kind of thing. I don't know her name, because I didn't have any subtitles. (laughs) I believe her name was Maria, and she was played by Ariane Lebed. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I I don't know anything else she's yeah. been in. I, I'm just looking at her IMDb. It is it is a lot of films I haven't seen. A lot of these titles yeah. are in French. So there you go. Ubisoft is a French company, and there yeah. we brought it back. But yeah, like I think yeah, that that scene is a bit weird, and I think that was more just meant as a bit of fan service. And I'm glad they weren't as heavy handed as they could have been. But I I don't know if if this is the whole thing with 1492 that you're alluding to. But apparently, um, in one of the side games on the DS, Ezio Alvatore was actually in Spain in 1492 to assassinate Torquemada, who's like the main villain in this. So that's why when this film was being made, a lot of people thought Ezio was going to be in it, but uh, wasn't in the end. Yeah, apparently Ezio doesn't actually manage to do it because it's done by Aguilar. Yeah, but that, uh, well, I think they're trying to argue that retrospectively. Yeah, okay, so... Yeah. Anyway, can we Can we talk about... Yeah. There's... I'm I'm almost done with the cast here, and I don't even know if there's anyone else I want to mention in the cast. Other than I thought Musa did a good job and was underutilized, yeah. played by uh, where is that actor? Uh, played I, by Michael K. Williams, who he's been he's, in a ton of stuff I've seen, but yeah, he seemed I mean, vaguely familiar, but I couldn't place him. He's he's a character actor, and so you've seen him in yeah. a ton of stuff. Uh, the Road, I remember him from The Road, and he was in Gone Baby Gone, RoboCop. Twelve Years a Slave, a ton of stuff I've seen him in. He's he's never mm. like a central main character. No, yeah. I'm always I was a little confused as to did did Musa know he was an assassin or did, yes. did, did was what was going like when they well, brought okay. these people in? There's obviously yes. was still an order of assassins because Cal's dad killed his mom. Yeah, but I also got the impression there were some people who were brought in and then had their assassinness awoken within them what okay again i my this this requires some knowledge this requires knowledge of the games the spin-off games i don't have but there's a scene uh near the beginning when he first meets um uh michael fassbender where he goes oh um everyone calls me musa but my name's baptiste 
I killed someone 200 years ago with voodoo poison or something. And that yeah. is apparently a reference to one of the spin-off games. There's a character called Baptiste. So, yeah, the kind of implication is he is an assassin in the sense of one of his ancestors is an assassin or okay. was an assassin. And he's then kind of carrying, carrying on the bloodline. Uh, the implication is like the, the kind of like three other people that are, that we see that are quote unquote assassins are linked to various assassins from various games. And it's kind of suggesting they are. F- proper assassins in and of themselves. Okay. If that, if that is my understanding, but it relies on games that I've not played, so I can't uh, I can't confirm that. Yeah, I'm fully. I, I I couldn't either, to be honest with you, but Yeah. Um I do know that there was a lot of different um a lot of different props that were created directly out of the games themselves. Yes. I, I guess yes. the filmmakers had a lot of reference to it. Yeah. I want to talk about the wrist blades because the okay. wrist blades still confuse the crap out of me. Okay. So in the first game I was yep. under the impression that when you removed part of your ring finger, yes. that was done explicitly so that when you made a fist, your yep. finger wouldn't be in the way and the hidden blade could come up through the gap in your hand, basically. Okay. I, I was I was specifically given that impression that that's what it was there for. And then in Assassin's Creed 2, they make mention that in order for the hidden blade to work, then you need yeah. to remove part of your ring finger. But then Leonardo da Vinci... Leonardo da Vinci re- fixes yeah. it and yeah. He fixes it so it doesn't have to happen. So now I'm confused because it seemed like um, Aguilar, he, uh, they show him, the first thing we see of Aguilar is he's getting his finger cut off yeah. to be part of the creed. And they, may, and they make a big point of that. In, in, in the first game, when Lucy, who is your, your she's an assassin, but she's in yes. the Abstergo, when she wants to show you she's part of the, the creed, am I yeah. using that correctly, Nick? Part of the creed? Yes. Well, well <laughs> totally part of the brotherhood. <laughs> When she shows you, she shows you that part of her ring finger has been cut off so that she's yeah. she's one of them. But then Ezio never gets that part of his ring finger cut off because they adjusted the blades, which then which gives me a headache. So then why is why are they cutting if they don't need it? And we clearly see with Aguilar in this film that he has the blades on both hands and that they don't come up through the gap where his finger used to be. So they weren't yeah. needed for that. Well, so then why did he get his finger cut off? Well, okay, there's, there's two points I want to make there. Firstly... I was I was never under the impression that it came through their fist. I always thought it came from uh, just underneath their wrist, as it showed in the film, kind of like uh, yeah. Spider-Man and I, I style think thing. I so, think so that's my... probably for a result of you not playing the first game, because in the first so, game yeah. it was very it was very explicitly shown that you cut Fair off enough. your ring finger, and so in the gap where the ring finger used to be, that's where the blade comes out. Okay, my only other explanation for the other way would be the part of the mechanism that say pushes the knife forward would impinge upon where your finger would be. So you have to cut it off. But the interesting thing is um, Assassin's Creed Origins, which kind of goes back and kind of, in a sense, retcons um, a bit of Assassin's Creed 1 and kind of looks further back, also brings back the finger-cutting off thing and kind of says, where well, it started here. Mm-hmm. And I I hidden... That, that game's story is a little bit weird. It does have hidden blades in it, but I think the finger-cutting thing is more kind of a ritualistic kind of... This is kind of the sacrifice you make. Okay. And I think I'm probably putting too much into this, but I think the argument could be made that in the early days of the Brotherhood, it was seen as a bit of a, like a, a ritualistic cultural thing. And then by the time of sort of Ezio onwards, as things change, people go, well, no, it's kind of unnecessary. Because I suppose you could make the argument that if you cut off one of your fingers, you can't fight as effectively. Yeah. And or if you're trying to, if you're trying to infiltrate Abstergo. Yes. Probably having a finger cut off. I don't know how that managed that, or how... I think they might have retconned Lucy to have that finger back again. I don't know. Yeah. 
And apparently, oh, there's yeah. a it's a, it's a mistake in the film that they cut off his his right hand ring finger when it's normally on people's left hand because you want to keep your sword hand yeah. intact, which for most people is their right hand. Well, so unless Cameron maybe Aguilar was left handed. Possibly, but I can't be asked to go back in the film and check. That's like no. Cinema Sins level of uh, nope, checking stuff. No, I don't care enough to go check on that. So nope. anyway, it just it's it's really odd. It just it highlighted to me that I don't understand what the ring cutting off is for. And I have some background in the game, so to your John Q moviegoer, yeah, they're you know, probably the, they're the wondering what we don't why. know. Yeah, it means that they're definitely not going to know. Yeah, it was just it it felt like it was done because that was a thing in the games. Yeah, but, but the, the funny thing is, like, these days, and for a lot of, like, newer Assassin's Creed fans like me, it's not even a thing in the games, because they stopped doing it after yeah, Assassin's a, Creed a, 1. Yeah, in Assassin's Creed 2, they explicitly make the point where, you know, Leonardo da Vinci says, we gotta cut off your finger, and Ezio yeah, says, do it, scene. Yeah. and then, nope, just kidding, we don't have to do that, I fixed the design, and, you know, which... Yeah. Uh, granted, if I if I had the engineering capabilities of Leonardo da Vinci, and I saw, huh, well, if we just adjust this here and here, and then we don't have to do the whole finger cutting thing. Yeah, although the engineering uh, capabilities of Leonardo da, uh, da Vinci in you almost said screen. Leonardo DiCaprio, didn't you? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> but no, he is basically Q. Like he's doing stuff that makes no sense. Like he builds effectively a tank in like in one of those games. Yes. So yeah, given the fact that he couldn't even build a working flying machine in real life, I. Uh, yeah. yeah, I really shouldn't get hung up with the history of this. It's not worth no, it. No, <laughs> there's man, there is some weirdness in this. So in in the uh, in the end, when they're executing Order sixty six or whatever, <laughs> I don't know how else to call it. When when all the guards are trying to take out the uh, the assassins, uh, okay. did did yeah. it did it occur to you at all a little odd that the guards are using crossbows to do that? Yeah. The- <sighs> Well, no, the, the, thing with, the thing with the guards that really confused me is there's that scene right at the beginning when Michael Fassman is, is given the wrist guards, and that guard has this whole speech of him basically kind of saying, like, the assassins were actually great people, but I don't consider you an assassin yet. And I kind of thought that meant that, like, all or some of the guards had been infiltrated by the assassins and would actually help in the end, and yet that never seems to happen unless I miss something. Yeah, I, I really feel like there was more to the story of that, that yes. guard that we just didn't... Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, now that we're mentioning him, I was looking to see if I could find the character's name and I, I'm not even... McGowan, I think, was his name played by uh, Dennis Menoshe. I got his name yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, I felt like there was a lot more to that and maybe in the sequel... <laughs> in the <laughs> sequel... All right, just to give a brief shout out to Dennis Menoshe, though he was in *Inglorious Bastards*. Yeah, well, who did he play? Uh, Perrier La Petite. Oh, I, I believe he was the uh, the gentleman in the beginning of the movie who was harboring uh, yeah, uh, no, the the girl familiar. under the floorboards and her family. Yeah, yeah, no, that yeah, that sounds familiar. But yeah, like uh, this this film genuinely feels like they cut a lot of stuff out, and though it's very unlikely, I'd be quite interested to see like um director's cut where they just put it all back in. Yeah, like I don't know, like I this seems like a film where they could have fixed a lot of holes if they put that back in. Not like Batman vs Superman, where the kind of ultimate cut made it worse. I don't know if it made it worse. I liked it better. Also, I hit. It, it, yeah. Well, Batman v Superman had some other stuff going on. We're not going to talk yeah. about, no. talk about that right now. But uh, yeah, and it's yeah. just weird moments like that, like, mm-hmm. really felt to me like they, there was something else there and kind of plot threads they wanted to follow, but didn't right. in the end. Yeah. It, yeah. 
So, okay, I want to I talk about the end of this movie, because first of all, yeah. I should say that there was no real climax to the movie. No. I, I at one point, after they had escaped from Abstergo, which was not that climactic no. of a scene, to be perfectly honest with you, and no. I thought, oh boy, now we're going to get... And I remember looking at the time and saying, they've only got 15 minutes left. How are they going to... How are they going to have a climax in this movie? Yeah. Well, to be, even though it would have been heavy-handed, I, would, I think I remember the first time seeing that, the fight in Abstergo, I almost expected uh, Michael Fassbender's character, the actual Callum Lynch, to kind of start wearing an assassin-style outfit while he's fighting in the real world to kind of show that he's finally transitioned into being an assassin, which they do, okay, they do, do right at the very, very end, but I thought during that big fight, that could have been the moment where you put him in, like, the full outfit. Yeah, when they have that brief moment to, like, grab all their weapons and... Yes. That he yeah. would have actually, like, grabbed a hood or, you know, the, the armor of, of yes. Altair or something like that. <laughs> you really want to get Altair in this, don't you? I do. Well, the armor of Altair was also a really big part of Assassin's Creed 2 in that you that, had to, like, yeah, do, true. you had to do, like, a bunch of collect missions in order to unlock yeah. the armor of Altair. Yeah, it didn't give you, like, a load of, load of health. Yes, it did. It, it was the only thing I actually went through all the effort of unlocking in, in yeah, Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah, funny enough. That is the same with me in Assassin's Creed 4, because it deflected bullets. Wow. Yeah, the armor you got deflected bullets. So, anyway, I, I just, I yeah. would have liked to have seen it, but and, yes. yeah, that's all right. But so, no, we, I, I, so we, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's just so anticlimactic. It was just, they do, they do their thing, and then they're like, well, I, I guess we can, I guess we can leave now. Yeah. The only thing I'll give them credit for, for that, la- for that kind of the last scene where Jeremy Lyons' character, what's his first name? Uh, Alan. Alan, yes, yeah. is killed. Is it is very reminiscent of the very early games of the whole thing of you walk through a crowd so you don't get detected, then you sneak up behind the back of your target and just stab and go. Like, oh yeah, those that, early that was that was very clearly choreographed to be like the games, and I do at least yeah. I, I I approve of them doing that. But yeah, like I think because everyone was so underdeveloped. I feel there wasn't any weight to it. There wasn't. And then, and then also they have the really sequel baity bit at the end, where also the assassins have now got the Apple of Eden back, the Templars want it again. Like, it's clear they were hoping for another film. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Although, you know, this nope. film, it did, the budget was 125 mil and it made 240, so. Okay, so at least it wasn't a massive. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a flop. It just wasn't no. critically acclaimed, and so people might not go see. It is rated yeah. very, very low on Rotten Tomatoes. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It was like a 27%. Yeah. And while this movie's no masterpiece, I thought it was not that bad. It's one of the yeah, it's one of the better video game films, and I think one of the more faithful. Like right, yeah. So I I remember yeah. you're mentioning the early games, which is funny because I had some definite flashbacks to the early games when Aguilar was running away from a bunch of guards after escaping yeah. his execution, uh, running away with Maria. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I remember thinking. If these people go hide in a group of monks and pretend to pray to get away, I don't know if I'm going to be able to buy that. Or or employ random prostitutes. Yeah, or distract. or just like hide in a bale of hay or something. Well, funny, funny enough, I looked out. I looked out for this when I was watching it, but couldn't see it. But apparently, during like the fight in the beginning, that one of the like soldiers is like thrown off a cart into a bale of hay. He was. I saw that, and it was definite. So, that felt like a definite nod to the games. Because I do understand that when they very explicitly do a leap of faith, and they even name drop it as a leap of faith, they can't do the landing in the yeah. hay. That was a very awkward name drop, too. Yes. Yes. Because he does that, it, and it breaks. It breaks the animus, basically. Yes. Yeah, that's the weird thing, and it's almost like this core part of the game in the games world is something clearly so unexpected because it breaks the animus. 
Or, well, it, like, causes the Animus to, like, stop for a bit and then reboots. Yeah, they have to it's reboot the Animus, and, and the the woman is just, the leap of faith. Okay, yeah. okay, just they, relax. And the weird thing is, they talk a load about synchronization, which is weird, because, like, that's really just, that's just a mechanic in the game to, like, stop you from going too far. To yeah. kind of deal with the graphical limitations <laughs> of the console it's running on. And yet they have a whole big thing about it, and I'm like, why? Nah, it's a... I don't know. It's a storytelling device, is like anything else. Yeah, I so guess. Th- this last scene. So when I have to say, for the Templars, they have the worst security ever. Yes. Mm. That it was like they—they they basically just had two guys at the door with a metal detector. Yeah. And the assassins were able to walk in without invitations or IDs or anything. They're not even checking yeah. people at the door. There's whoever wants in, just walk on in. Yeah. When a guy walks in, he's like, oh, we're, you're, what do we, oh, your belt buckle. Yeah, we don't need to investigate that further. We just have an apple yeah. of Eden inside here. No problem. And we're certainly not going to investigate the hidden blades that would set off the metal detector. Yeah, it, it was just so ridiculous how the assassins managed to infiltrate. And I, I, it really felt like they had to quickly throw together a last scene. And yes. so they did. And that's honestly yes. what it felt like. Yeah. Whereas, like, like, I almost think, like, this would only work if a sequel was guaranteed. But I almost would have said you could you should have ended the film with then an obs- escaping Abstergo, and then the next film would basically be like now that the assassins are out, they will spend the entirety of the next film chasing Abstergo and chase and chasing Alan uh, Jeremy Irons' character. Yeah, but was, I think that would have made more sense. It just didn't. It, was, it, it didn't it, work, it, it especially like, especially the way was, there was nothing to his escape. He no. he he kills Doctor Riken, and then he gets the apple. And then everyone's just freaking out and leaving, but they're all wearing hoods too, so he wears his hood and just sneaks, yeah. sneaks out with them. And nobody knows <laughs> what's going on, and the guards aren't checking anybody on their way out. They're like, this way, this way. And then yeah. he meets up with the other assassins, and they decide, hey, here's fun. Let's go climb a tall building so yeah. that we can jump off. And the fact of, like, not only does he, in, the, in like, the split second of darkness, he not only manages to steal the Apple of Eden, but replaces it with a real apple and, and positions it in Jeremy Lenz's dead hand. It's like... That would have taken far too... Uh. Yeah, why, why don't you... Yeah, that's... Okay, yeah. You yeah. know what? That the, the last scene really bothered me because it just... It was... There was so much disbelief I had to suspend. Yeah. That in the room like, where the Apple of Eden was, that an assassin could come up, kill him, take the apple, nobody sees it happen, in a room full of Templars, everyone's like, yeah. run away, run away! Yeah. Let's not like, try to get this thing we've been spending the last thousand years looking for. Yeah, and to be honest, like, I know it's a bit of a, um, I'm going to use a phrase that Assassin's Creed 2 fans will get, a bit of a Magic Pope moment, but I almost <laughs> think it would have been interesting if they'd had a prolonged fight between Rickin and uh, Callum, but because, obviously, Rickin had the Apple of Eden, that, that would have made him a stronger adversary, because, like, like Rickin is just, like, a businessman. He has no combat ability. Nope. Like, so even if there was any sort of fight, Callum would defeat him in five seconds. Like, so I think they could have brought that in. It would have been an interesting nod to the game of the majority of Assassin's Creed games, the final boss is, like, powered up by uh, a precursor. Ah, that's all. They're the precursors. Like, a precursor item. Mm-hmm. But, no, apparently not. Yeah. Yeah, I almost, I almost get the sense that, like, they were planning to leave that more open-ended, and then, like, just as they were finalizing the script, it was decided, no, we're not doing any more sequels. So they kind of hastily put that on the end yeah. to try and give it a bit of finality it, it, with a, t- it with a tiny bit of a backdoor. It yeah. reeks of rewrites. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. All right, so I think I think we can we can start wrapping this one up. Yeah. So now now's the time on Hero Talk where we talk about what our favorite part of the movie was. So Nick, what was your favorite part of Assassin's Creed? 
Ooh. Yeah, this is hard. I will give you that. Well, this is the weird thing because I came into this and having just come off a second viewing, way with a lot more of a positive look on, on this than I did. And then, but by the end of this, and I've actually talked it through, I realise I like this film a lot less. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm tempted to say that scene I mentioned a while ago where uh, Aguilar jumps off a high building and he assassinates someone because it's such a perfect mirror for the game without it. So obviously winking to the camera and being like, hey, you see what mm-hmm. we did? Yeah. And like I said, I think I, the fight, like, oh, a lot of the initial fights are quite good. Like I, like I said, I said I like the, how they're choreographed. And I think mm-hmm. this, like, they could have very easily gone, like, overly CGI with this. And I'm glad they didn't. No, I, w- I would say, uh, I heard it said that 80% of the movie was practical effect in real life. Yeah. Which for a movie these days is quite decent. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I like, <sighs> This film was mediocre enough that no particular moment makes me think, wow. Like, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I have no real standout moment. Yeah, I, I have a really hard time trying to think of a standout moment because I just, I don't, I just can't, I can't think mm. of anything that I just said, wow. You know, I like the fights. Yeah. I like that scene there. I like their escape from, from all the guards at, at the, uh, the burning at the stake. Speaking yeah. of which, this is this happens in movies a lot, and it drives me nuts. It's where the dialogue for the sake of the audience, not for the characters. But when Jeremy Irons is at the Templar base and he's looking at that photo, and uh, the Templar yeah. elder Ellen K. Ellen K. played by Charlotte Rampling, and she explains the painting to him as though yes. in all the times he's been there, he has never once noticed it before. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like, oh, we need to explain it to you because it has, it makes more sense in the story if we give you this context. But it was just that, silly. That there was felt, no reason to explain it to him. Yeah, that felt like one of one of the bigger wink and nod moments, and it suffered because of it. Yeah, it was it was unfortunate. Unless like, maybe it was I just a brand new painting. I don't know. Yeah, well, because because she does make a point at the time that like she was like, oh, this is the, that's the closest we came to obtaining the apple. And I almost thought. They were going to make a comment that might have tied Ezio in and been like, oh, but sadly we were stopped by a, an unknown master assassin or something. And then for those in the audience that would know, they'd go, ah, that was probably Ezio or, or Aguilar, depending on yeah. what sort of timeline we're going on here. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah. no, all right. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. uh, no. You've, I'm, you've, you've made me lose so much enthusiasm, enthusiasm for this I'm, film. I'm really I'm sorry. You seem like you really liked it. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. so hoping this doesn't happen with Tomb Raider because oh, I know it's got a lot of things in its favor. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I guess now that since we don't really have favorite parts, I guess now it's no. time to give it a score. Uh, I don't know, Nick. What would what would you score Assassin's Creed? I give it Eagle Vision to look and find all the plot holes out of ten, and I give it a severed ring finger. There we go. <laughs> there we go. It's. I mean, it's it's not terrible, it, but it's it's not. It, it doesn't stand out. There's there's nothing special no. about it. It's one of those films that, like, if it was on on a Sunday afternoon on TV, I'd watch it and kill a couple of hours, but not much more. Yeah. So, anyway, we've come to the point in time where we're, we're going to go to final thoughts. And in, in lieu of just giving our final thoughts, uh, Nick, since you're our special guest host on this episode... Uh. Uh, where, where can people find more of you and what you do? Uh, you can find me in a lot of places. Uh, you can find me, as Greg alluded to at the beginning, on the Gamers Without Borders podcast. That is predominantly me and Greg. Yep. We talk about video games and technology and stuff. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, wait for the podcast on Twitter at GWBpod. You can find me personally on Twitter at uh, just another gaming blog or just another GMG blog, I should say. I now have 280 characters, as with the, most of the rest of Twitter, so... You're not going to get even more lukewarm, lukewarm takes from me. 
Ooh, look warm um, takes. Yeah, uh, you can find my writing at various places, predominantly at uh, nickpjenkins25.wordpress.com. I will get Greg to include a link to my Assassin's Creed review uh, with this episode as well. If mm-hmm. anyone wants to read that, is basically what I've said here. But if you want, if you like that in written form, um, by all means. And fun fact, I think I realised there's a really obvious typo in like the fifth line that I haven't had time to change. So have fun uh, finding that. Yep. So anyway, there will be links to all of that in the show notes on enthusiasts.com. Yep. Uh, and that is it, Nick. Thanks for coming on the podcast. No, any any time, any time. It was great to have you here. It's, al- it's always fun to talk with you about movies because yeah. I feel like I bring so many movies to Gamers Without Borders. It's kind of fun to yeah. bring games to Hero Talk. Yeah, and I, 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 w- I won't drop the name because it may never happen, but me and Greg have also spoken about a film that I would like to discuss one day that may or may not happen, so you might be hearing from me at some point in the future. Yes. On this yes. podcast, if if I can convince Greg to watch it. <laughs> if you can. All right. Well, you, we'll leave that teaser out there for, yeah. for all of you. All right. So if you want to hear more of our podcasts, interviews, and articles, you can check out Enthusiacs.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Enthusiacs. And until next time, this is Judge Greg saying everything is permitted. <laughs>